0: What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner the of the Indiana Pacers. You're
1: listening to the Peace Rules podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Ruse podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, who are now ninth in the Eastern Conference after dropping their first game uh, in a week or so to the Washington Wizards, one thirty-two to one twenty-four. Russell Westbrook went absolutely crazy, and. Things are kind of looking poor for the Pacers right now, just as they were last time. We bought you an episode ninth, but we are a game out uh, of the playoffs, which I guess is a good thing. But when you look at the teams above us, then uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But it just doesn't look like anyone's going to drop out uh, significantly above the Pacers. Everyone's playing a little bit better than Indiana right now. But we'll start with the Washington game. Uh, Justin, Russell Westbrook finally hit some threes and had a 30-20-10 game. It was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I've, I've never really seen... Well, I've never seen stat line like that because I don't think... The numbers he put up, there's ever been a stat line like that. Um, you knew he'd dominate with no Bradley Beal, but yep. um, yeah, I'm someone who's always respected Westbrook's game. Probably wouldn't want him on my team the way he plays, but um, yeah, I mean, you guys know, he outplays everyone on the court every night and um, yeah, you just can't hate a man who, who puts up those numbers. It's insane. to put up 35 points and 20 plus assists. Like, can you imagine actually doing that in a game? Um, just mental. But yeah, on the Pacers' standpoint, another embarrassing loss. Um you should not lose to the Washington Wizards without Bradley Beal. There's just no two ways about it. So um, this team's got a lot of issues. Um, it goes a, l- a lot more beyond TJ Warren being out. So um, yeah, hopefully we can delve into them this episode.
1: Yeah, it's um, it was a one-man show on offense for Washington uh, in terms of uh, Westbrook, but he did get you know lesser teammates involved that don't necessarily have big games. I mean, uh, Hutchison had 18 points. Uh, you know, uh, I think uh, there was another another guy that had a big game. Neto. game had a Neto lit- played well. What's that?
2: Rahul Neto played well today.
1: Yes. Yeah, Neto, who I think was back up in Utah previously and hasn't really done a lot, but yeah, lit it up today. So um, it was kind of a one-man show, Alex, and the, the defense just it was poor.
2: Yeah, 100%. And it's funny because I feel like, The struggles that we've had previously in fourth quarters has been on offense, right? We've turned the ball over a bunch, struggled to make shots. Today, it was the opposite. You know, we scored like 120-something points. Most of the time, you'll win a game when you do that. But to give up 132 in regulation to a team without their best scorer, who's going to win the scoring championship, whatever you call it this year, averaging over 30 a game, I mean, that's embarrassing. And then you take it back to Milwaukee. We gave up 140 to the Bucs without Giannis. And then we lose to the Nets without Kyrie and Kevin Durant. So mm-hmm. it's those types of games where you talk about the fact we're two games back from the four seed. Well, those are three games you probably shouldn't be dropping right there and you could be the four seed right now. So I feel like this has been the the problem for the Pacers. You drop games, you should be winning, and you fall back in the seeding, which is what they've done.
1: Probably the worst the Pacers have looked over uh, like a six to eight at-week stretch since, oh, I would say Paul, Paul George was here. Um, I don't think we've looked yeah. quite so hapless, particularly on defense uh, for about three and a half, four years. And Justin, it's the inconsistency is, is pretty maddening. Some quarters we look like we could beat just about anyone and other quarters we look like we uh, couldn't win, win against any NBA team. And, you know, the, the disparity between the defense when Miles Turner is on the floor versus when Miles Turner is off the floor is so incredibly stark that you can't help but notice that the team just really struggles to defend oppositions uh, when Miles is off the floor. Yeah, and you
0: talk about quarter by quarter, it seems like the biggest quarter they're struggling is the fourth quarter. You know, I think last year I had great confidence in, you know, Brogdon hitting a clutch shot, Sabonis coming through in the clutch. Um this year like you just put's the fourth quarter and you're just waiting when's it going to implode when's it going to implode and then today against Washington you go yep yeah, there it is. Um but yeah defensively or defense wise without Miles Turner you know you mentioned Alex Milwaukee put up got damn near 80 points and a half against us without Miles Turner so um yeah it is, it is bad i guess that's that's a you know might be the team without Miles if he ever gets traded you know we're going to give up 120 130 a game but um yeah, I, I don't know. Something I want to talk to you guys about as well. It's frustrating me a bit, and it's the first time I've actually ever spoken badly about this person, and that's that's Sabonis. I've seen a bit on Twitter as well. He's he's getting on my nerves a bit. He look, I think Miles can play angry when he plays when he plays angry. Miles plays better with Sabonis when he plays angry. He plays terrible. Yeah, well, for me, I don't know about you two. For me, there's a lot of whinging to the referee. Yes. And I'm, I'm, thank I, you. I'm got to point. Yeah, i am going to point it out. It's actually really starting to get on my nerves and I'm actually really frustrated.
1: It's been all season. He's been complaining about every single missed call all season. And he reminds me of the guy that you play with in your rec league, which complains to the refs all the time. And it only leads to less foul calls because the refs hate you. And yeah. everyone's been in a rec league where you have that one guy that gets white line fever and hates the refs and gets on them at every opportunity and gets a tech. And then doesn't get a foul call for the rest of the game. I mean, ironically, Sabonis got to the line ad nauseum today. Like Washington were fouling him left, right, and center. But I just I can't watch a guy that complains every single time he misses a shot because he thinks he was fouled. Now, whether he was fouled or not is a different matter, but you just gotta gotta keep playing. Like you've you've got to earn that respect and you have to just move forward. Let your coach do the fighting for you. Like Nate Bjorkren should be getting these technicals. He should be uh, coming out in the media and, and saying that Miles doesn't get the calls. Like that's that's how, you know, the Mavericks treated Dirk. That's how you see teams treat superstars. They complain on behalf of that superstar. The superstar remains stoic and silent and maybe get lets everything get the best of them every now and again. But it's the team that rally around that superstar And all I seem to see, Alex, is Domas whinging every time he misses a layup.
2: Well, on that point, I remember earlier in the season, I don't know if you guys can remember the game, but Nate actually did get a tech. I can't remember what game it was. And then we went on a run right after that and they started giving us calls, right? So I don't know if that's a thing that the refs should be doing, but it happens, right? We see it. Coaches get frustrated and they purposely get teched just so the ref will start paying attention. So as you guys alluded to there, I think it's just about... Firstly, understanding that you're not going to be getting superstar calls. That's just not going to happen. Like players like Jimmy Butler, James Harden, they get those kind of calls. Not many players do. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, you know, just leave it up for the coach or the assistant coach or someone on the bench to be uh, doing the, I guess, complaining for you. Yeah, well, The issue is
0: he, he, there's so many times he actually doesn't run back on defense. And that's what pisses yeah. me off the most is get back on defense because if he's... Arms up, you know, complain to the ref. The other LeBron used to do it all the time. The other teams run back for a fast break. Um, and like you mentioned, Adam, in rec league, it's basketball worldwide. Referees have a brain, they have feelings. And I've got a rule in my rec league in my basketball team. No one talks to the referee. No matter if you yep. get hit in the face, no one talk to him. And this year we've done that, we've implemented that rule, and we've got so much more foul calls because the refs respect you for not complaining. So yeah. um, I feel like Sabonis, someone needs to have a word with him and say, mate, yeah, you're probably getting fouled. Run back on defence, play hard, stop your whinging.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a learning experience and it makes you wonder if the franchise has the confidence to be able to stand up to that and, and has the ability to be able to. And a, a new coach like Nate Björkran can pull a two-time all-star aside and say, Domas, you're actually hurting the team by doing this you're actually doing the opposite of what you should be doing as a leader of this team because like it or not you're a two-time all-star you are looked to by this team to carry it on it on your back on offense but you have to play defense you can't just stay and complain to the refs and you know continually not get calls it's clearly not working for you so why continue to do it i mean today um like uh, he got a lot of foul calls. He went to the line, I think, 15 times, which would probably be a season high. Um, but, I mean, that, that hasn't been the trend. Um, and to be honest, it shouldn't matter. Um, I want to talk about the trade deadline. And I want to talk about it from a couple of different perspectives. I want to talk about it from the Pacers' perspective. We did nothing um what's new every year we seem to not really do anything except for that time that we traded danny granger and ruined a whole championship opportunity but we won't talk about that um we we did nothing we stood pat uh everyone is exactly the same alex are you happy we did nothing
2: i mean i'm kind of indifferent i mean all those we saw all the rumors right brogdon was apparently trade talks some bonus like what were these rumors i don't know that was never going to happen but i just think the only thing for me is that a you probably should have looked at his expiring guys like take calls on mcdermott because we're not going to be able to afford to re-sign him so maybe take calls on him yep i was going to say mcconnell as well as another guy but the biggest thing for me is aaron holiday i mean you know we talk about him a lot and josh and i know you'll have a lot to say but i just think there's no point of having this guy sitting at the end of the bench even if he has some value, like I'm talking about minuscule value left, if you can get some sort of bench piece for for him, like a veteran or something, you have to take that because again, right now he's sitting at the end of the bench, getting DNPs. He played a few minutes today, but that's because McDermott didn't play and Lamb went down. So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And we've seen some that's overtaken him in the rotation, right? So for me, that was the most frustrating part is that firstly, his values taint a lot since 12 months ago or 24 months ago. But- Also, the longer you keep him, the less value he's going to have without playing. So that was the the thing that irked me the most. But I don't know about you guys.
1: Well, I mean, riddle me this. Could you get two second round picks for Aaron Holiday?
2: I think you could, yeah.
1: Yeah. What did Evan Fournier cost the Boston Celtics?
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: Two second round picks. So, yeah, they had a trade exception. But point being, if you can get a couple of second round picks there, it doesn't have to be a low first. just got to be a couple of seconds a couple of second rounders could get you a piece from a team over the cap, from a team that wants to save money, from a team that's blowing it up. Not this year, maybe next year, maybe the year after. Maybe you, you know, package Doug in the two seconds to get a guy a similar salary that, you know, goes beyond this year. But point being, we we clearly didn't try to improve the team with the knowledge that T.J. Warren was going to be out the season. We knew T.J. Warren was going to be out the season and at no point did the front office make a move that said to me, we need to get better because our rivals are getting better. And now I wanna talk about the standings, Justin, and we talked about the standings before. Look at the teams around us. Boston in seventh, did they add a player? Yes, they added Fournier. Miami in eighth, Victor Oladipo, they added a player. Um, Chicago in 10th, Nikola Vucevic, all-star. You look at the the teams around the paces are all getting better. And the paces have been underwhelming at best and terrible at worst this season. And they're doing nothing to improve their situation. So that says to me, either they're backing the roster in, you know, they're standing pat, they want to be conservative, or they know that this roster is not going to compete. And they're going to do their best to try and eke into the play-in tournament, try and eke into the eighth seed get swept by the Philadelphia 76ers and call it a year. Great. We made the playoffs. Nate's first year. Awesome. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for the fans. It's not good enough for the team. I mean, we've got to go one or two ways here. And at the moment, we just don't know which way we're going. Are Are we going all in? Are we trying to get up there? Or if we're playing for next year, what's the point in making the playoffs just to make the playoffs? Justin, we've said it so many times. What's the
0: yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd love to get Kevin Pritchard on the show again and ask him what's your what's your goal this season. You know, home court. We can scratch that. I don't care how close we are to the home court. We're not getting home court. Yeah, home court. Don't, don't deserve it. Like you just played terrible. So what, what are we doing? Yeah, like you said, Adam. We we didn't make a deal, so you're standing pat. Oh, sometimes you got to take a step back to a step forward. Like look what Orlando did. I got a best mate who goes for Orlando, and he's happy what they did. You know, they gutted the roster, but it's like. They're committing to rebuild finally. They were they were kind of like us, the middle of the pack. They got good enough players to get them wins. Uh, but now they've just gone, no, we're going to rebuild. For, for the Pacers, God, what, what's their three- to five-year plan? I, I don't know. Like, uh, is it just stay in the middle? Oh, yeah, we'll fight for every win. Well, from what we heard from Kevin Pitchford this year, they were kind of changing their mentality with we saying, hey, we might need to take a step back to take a few steps forwards. Um, I just think with this starting lineup. it Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. I look at our start line up on paper. There's no way Charlotte, New York, Atlanta should have a better record than us. We've got a good starting five. I'll I'll fight to the death on that with anyone. Our bench has always been a bit suspect, but um, for us to miss the plus in the East, I mean, I always kind of back the East up, but it's downright embarrassing right now. Um, You know, in the West, we'd be near third to last near OKC, um, which... Is just pathetic. OKC okay, are rebuilding; they've got no one. So, um, yeah, big, big, big concerns for this team. I don't really know what's going to happen uh, the rest of the year, but um,
1: yeah, I don't know. OKC okay, have so got something like thirty-four draft picks in the next eight drafts, hmm. and they've got almost the same record as us right now. And what are we Two doing? Less what are we What are we doing to try and compete? for the next few years. Oh, look, I said it in the last show, TJ Warren has a $12 million expiring contract next season. There is no way that you keep TJ Warren for $12 million. He's going to have 20 at least at the moment. You can't afford to pay him $20 million. So who's going to go? Is it going to be Malcolm? Is it going to be Domas? Is it going to be miles? Is it going to be more than one of those guys? It's not going to be Karis. Cause you just got him and he's in a good number for the next two seasons, but At some point, you have to make a call, you have to make a decision on one of these starters to try and preserve your future flexibility, because we know for one thing, for sure, if we don't know whether they're gonna tank, we don't know if they're gonna contend, we know one thing for sure, they're not gonna spend. So they're not gonna go over that luxury tax, particularly in the position that they are are right now. They're going to do everything they can to stay under the tax. You know, the, the moves that they've made this year dictate that, which is fair enough. We're not a contender. We shouldn't go all in. I think the only season we went all in was 13, 14, and that didn't go well in the end. But I just I just wonder what the long-term plan for this roster is because it just doesn't seem like it has more than 12 months left in it. Um, I feel like there's, there's almost, there almost has to be a move this summer to get better. Uh, it doesn't help when Nate McMillan is leading one of the hottest teams in the league, in the Eastern Conference right now, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, you know, Nate copped a lot last year. Um, he's a good coach. He'll get you to the playoffs. He will. We know that. We've seen that. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. When I see Atlanta in the playoffs, though, Alex, because um, yeah, we we obviously didn't see anything beyond May.
2: I mean, yeah, you're right. If One thing about Nate McMillan is he's going to get you into the top eight, right? So. Shout out to him. I think he had like an eight-game winning streak in Atlanta, didn't he? Which is yeah. pretty impressive there. And, and, and even then, you, you look at the Hawks and they've got some promise, right? They have young, they have Herder, they have all these young guys who they know what direction they want to go in, right? Again, the Pacers don't even know what direction they want to go in, which is my biggest issue. And like Justin said, I think this starting five is amazing. Like When healthy, it's one of the best starting fives the Pacers have had yep. in a long time. Uh, firstly, we can never get them on the court at the same time, which is a problem. And then secondly, you know, right now they're, they're just not playing together. And, and on that, I think this off season there probably will be a move. I uh, just think you know, they, they would try to make one last year miles for Haywood. They didn't get that deal done. I think they'll try to do something similar this off season. Just don't see them going forward with this uh, to bonus duo for very long. I just think the the longer they, I uh, mean, they're not even playing that badly together this year. I don't think, but, I just think that's the the route that they're probably going to go in because, you know, Karras is on a long-term deal. Brogdon's yep. on a long-term deal. I don't think they break up the, the backcourt TJ. Hopefully we re-sign. So I just think I don't, I don't see a longevity into bonus to be honest.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I put a poll question up when that report came out about Malcolm and, and Domas and it was finished 50, 50 over a 24 hour span. Malcolm versus Domas, who would you trade? And, you know, speaks largely to the fan base and the respect they have for Malcolm and the respect they have for Domas. It It's clear to me. It, there is not even a question of who I would trade if given the chance, and that's Domas because he would get you the greatest return. Um, I, I don't think given Malcolm's injury history, given his inconsistency over the last couple of seasons, he's not an all-star. At times he looks like he could be one, but he's not an all-star. Domas is a multi-time all-star. So you could potentially get another lower level all-star or a good young player and a pick for a guy like domas you saw what vucevic got vucevic got uh wendell carter jr and two lightly protected first round picks that will probably end up falling in the top 10. domas is worth more than nikola vucevic because he's five years younger than nikola vucevic with more years on his deal so you have to look at that vucevic deal and you then you have to look at deals for guys like drew holiday and etc and he has to be somewhere in the middle i mean You're either getting a really good young player and a pick or two, or you're getting many picks if you trade Domas. And I know this franchise doesn't like picking in the draft, but at some point you've got to look at the asset and think we're not going anywhere. We have to maximize our return for this asset to build for the future, to continue the young players coming through. Because part of the whole reason that some of these teams are successful is that they're paying rookies minimum wage for four years really good rookies and therefore they can sign an all-star with cap space. They can get really good players in. Justin, do you ever see this franchise trading Domas? A
0: month ago, I'd say no, but I'm starting to think more and more, kind of like both of you said, can't really see Tabonis working. Um, I always thought if push comes to shove, Turner would be gone. But the last few weeks, definitely with Miles missing a few games and defensively, I just think KP might trade Sabonis. You know, Miles Turner's been our longest tenure player. We all know he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, Indiana really values defense. They always have, you know, back in Dan Burke days, everything like that. Um, I think Sabonis, like you said, he's going to give us the biggest um, return. So, Turner's not going to give us much. Like, no. he, he won't. Like, he, he could give us a fringe player and maybe a pick or something, but it's not going to be groundbreaking to our starting lineup. And then, yeah, we'll get burnt on defense. So, um, yeah, I can see it in the off-season, possibly. So yeah. it, our starting five won't be intact. Like, there's too much money there. Something something has to give, we all know that. Um, but, yeah, I don't really know where this team's going. What's everyone's prediction for for the rest of the year? What, what does everyone think? Um, where they'll finish? I think Pacers will make
1: play-in and they'll lose and, and it's just useless, but that's my call. I completely agree. I think Pacers make the play-in, they lose, and then they end up with, like, the 12th pick. Or something like that. I think that's probably the realistic thing. Alex? Yeah, I think I'm with you guys.
2: I I actually think we'll probably go seven or eight, seventh or eighth seed, which is a loss for us no matter what, right? We're going to be playing Philly or Brooklyn. And let's be honest, that's a sweep. So, yeah, disastrous. (laughs) I think either way for the bases.
1: Yeah. I mean, the the quicker we can get to the offseason, the better for me. Um, I think, you know, I think Miles spent some time with, was it Kevin McHale a couple of seasons ago in the offseason? I think Miles needs to be locked in a room with Dennis Rodman for like three months. Like he needs to rebound to be a successful player beyond what he is now. He needs to rebound to be an all-star basically. He is fully capable of being an all-star if he can get more rebounds for this team, because if we do trade Domas, then the biggest area of concern will be the same thing as it was when Thad was here playing Domas's position. And that is rebounding because Miles is an elite shot blocker, one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league, but he needs to be able to get rebounds. He needs to be able to beat his opponent in the box out. So for me, that should be the priority. I don't care what pick we get, but if Miles learns to rebound, then uh, I'll be a happy man.
2: Well, just on that, actually, on the lottery pick, if we do get one, say we get you know somewhere between 10 and 14, what position do we draft? What do you guys think? It, I actually, I really don't know. I, I genuinely don't it, know.
1: It's got to be a bigger forward. It's got to be that Thad Young, that um, Jeremy Grant, that uh, El Farouk Aminu, that sort of Giannis, Ben Simmons, Pascal Siakam stopper. Siakam also, uh, notably the guy that I tweeted out, I would trade for Zavonis if possible, but (laughs) um, side note. Um, But yeah, it it has to be that sort of uh, defensive-minded forward um, because when Thad left... We, we lost more than I think anyone cared to admit at the time, Justin.
0: Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, defensively, it's a struggle watching paces like. But, you know, there's just so many good players in the league. It's not just like, oh, paces are struggling against these players. Like, yeah. you know, you know these, these players are putting up 40, 50 a night because they're just, you know, you watch anyone trying. And- guard Lillard it's you just can't like these, these players are the best in the world so yeah you could probably limit them a bit better I mean Westbrook's stat line today was a bit embarrassing but um yeah like it, it is tough what what position will we draft I think Alex that depends on who we trade in the offseason depending if we trade before the draft um yeah yeah I'm not too sure we could uh
1: could get Josh Giddy from Adelaide Thirty Sixes would love that he's uh he's been very 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 good in the nbl this season justin you you live in adelaide um just a bit of a preview for the listeners on on biddy well yeah he's got high high raps
0: i think he's just spoke recently to a journalist in america and he said he's gonna probably declare for the draft he will um he looks good i've seen him play live he's is you know A triple-double waiting to happen, which in the NBL is hard. Kind of like, you know, LaMelo Ball last year was getting triple-doubles and look how much he'll win Rookie of the Year, you'd say. So, um, yeah, I think it would be exciting. He definitely needs a better jump shot. But, um, yeah, you know, would be exciting. I'd love seeing an Australian on the paces. You know, we'd all love that, the pace connection. Um, We all said we wanted Paddy Mills years ago. Um, So, yeah, it would be awesome to get on um, kind of TV over
1: here. Hashtag giddy for paces. I think we should uh, we should kick it off, guys, because um, ultimately we've wanted an Aussie on this team for a really long time and it's about time we realise that. Uh, it looks like we'll end up getting a pick in the teens, regardless, which is probably around where he's going to be drafted. So I think regardless of how high or how low we pick, let's get on the train right now. The Paceroos are putting their weight behind giddy to the paces. I think it'll be really exciting. Um, yeah. And, uh, and we'll tweet out something later today to confirm that. Uh, we we come to Oladipo. Now, I didn't want to talk about this for very long. Um, and this we won't talk about this for very long. Uh, I don't see this going well, Alex. Uh, I see Oladipo <laughs> playing well. I see the Heat just pounding, wiping the floor with, uh, with Indiana in this game. I know that we beat the Heat handsomely in the first two games. But... I I just don't see this going well.
2: Well, you know, the only thing going for us is this. It's not on ESPN, right? It's not a (laughs) national TV game. So that's the only plus for the Pacers. But yeah, it seems like when Paul George returned, he always beats us. So um, yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say Miami's probably going to come out and want that win. Jimmy Butler does not want to lose to the Pacers three times in a season. So I'm going to say Oladipo probably goes for a mid-20 game and yeah, we probably lose.
1: Yeah.
0: well before i get into my prediction i think we're just gonna say i know it was probably a lot of people predicted it but we could probably bring up about 100 sound bites of us last year saying he will end up in miami and there were some fans who tweeted us no no he'll resign as a pacer (laughs) you know if you trade him elsewhere he'll he'll resign there no i'm sorry i love saying it we were right we we all knew he's going to miami you looked at his um Looked at him playing Miami in the playoffs with him hugging. We all knew it, and I just got to call us out for being correct. I know it's not, you know, wasn't groundbreaking, but hey, we're gonna call it out when it happens. Yeah. He was always gonna make his way to Miami. Kevin Pritchard got Karis Levert for 20 games of Oladipo from Houston.
1: Unbelievable. And then they,
0: they, they tried Oladipo for Kelly Olin and Avery Bradley. Oh, can you imagine if Pacers made
1: that deal? Oh my God. Uh, Kevin Pritchard deserves executive of the year just for that trade. How he got Houston to accept Oladipo in exchange for ah, uh, one of the great Pacers deals, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no one's speaking about it because the team's doing terrible, but um, Pritchard can't do much more. Like, seriously, no. I I don't even know how my fandom would go towards the team if we got Olenek and Avery Bradley. I'm um, <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm going a bit off track there. But yeah, like, I, I just want to, you know what? You know what I want to see from the game? I want to see Levert locked in. Uh, he yeah. knows everything. He knows what the fans want. I want to see him locked in. You know, he should stop Oladipo. You know, he should take that personally. You got traded for each other. So there's a bit of rivalry there. You know, I want to see him locked in. He played pretty poorly today. But, um, you know, if you want to make the fan base love you, there's nothing to be going toe to toe against the yeah, you know, let's let's go hard at him. I don't want to see hugging and all that during the game. I want to see Levert go hard. So if he listen, if he's listening, Karis, it's uh, your game to shine.
1: Uh, in a word, Alex, does any does Oladipo or any Pacers player do that? This is my city during the game.
2: I was going to say, if I see him hit a game winner in those gold jerseys, those Miami Pacers oh. jerseys they have, oh. I am going to throw up and I'm going to ban myself from social media for two weeks. So, yeah.
1: there you go. Yeah. Uh, look, it's not going to go well, I don't think. I'm not predicting a great night for the Pacers, but I will be watching, as will we. We'll come to you after the game. This has been the Pacers. Good luck to the Pacers against Miami.